0: The Secrets of Middle-Earth is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit
1: sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth, where we discuss the hidden themes and deeper layers found in the works of J.R.R. Tolkien. Whether in his writings or in any of the media derived from them, On this episode, we're going to do some speculation about one of the most mysterious characters in Tolkien's work, Tom Bombadil. And joining me on this episode are Caitlin Fischista. Hi, Caitlin.
2: Hi, how's it going?
1: It's going all right. Uh, Thomas Salerno. Hi, Thomas. Hey, everybody. And Jeff Hecker. Hi, Jeff. Hi, Thomas. And I'm Thomas Sanjuro. So it's nice to have all you guys with us. Um, So... Thomas, this episode was your idea, right? (laughs) So I'm going to blame my fault squarely (laughs) for this. (laughs) Um, But I, I I love it. I think it's great. Uh, I was really, I'll be honest. I was upset when there was no allusion even to Tom Bombadil in the Peter Jackson movies. Um, So I, I felt like that was a big miss. I still love the Peter Jackson movies and I completely understand why this would have been the very first thing you would cut from a movie that, <laughs> in the style that he was trying to make. But it still, it still upset me because I love Tom Bombadil. So, uh, you know, I, I want to kind of start there and I want to start with what you guys, what, what the impression that Tom Bombadil has made on you. Like, why why is this a character that we talk about, that we that we think about? Because he's so jarringly different from everything else that's happening in uh, the story of the Lord of the Rings, so I I'm going to just open it up, you guys. Which uh, what inspires you about Tom Bombadil? Well,
0: it's interesting because when when I first read the books, I was I was a teenager and I liked, I I, I guess I, I kind of liked things to be a little bit more on the realistic side. So when you have Tom Bombadil come in and just upend all of that. He kind of rubbed me the wrong way initially when I first read <laughs> The Lord of the Rings. I'm like, what, what what is this? Who is this guy? Why are we wasting our time here at this place in this weird house? Why is he singing all the time? I just I I, I just didn't get it. But at, over the years, the more I read Lord of the Rings, the more especially in listening to it on audiobook with the Rob Inglis narration and he does all the singing and it's great. And I, I've just he's really grown on me, Tom Bombadil. He's hes grown on me a lot. Now I can never imagine the Lord of the Rings without him. I love the little <laughs> interlude where they stay with him. He's just as, as you said, Thomas, he's just a very inspiring character in so many ways because he's just this this nice little vignette. It's almost like a mini Rivendell where they just go and stay at Tom's house for a while, you know. And just hang out and Tolkien just allows the story to meander for a little bit. But it's so it's somehow so integral to the plot that you can't imagine the Fellowship of the Ring without him. I agree. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Like all that. Yep. (laughs) Very much so. Caitlin, how about you?
2: It's hard to follow that up. I feel like (laughs) I kind of just got lost thinking about Tom Bombadil. Um, (laughs) I love that he just is so disconnected from everything else that's going on. Like he's, it's almost like if you were in a video game, he's on a completely different quest and your quests (laughs) just kind of collide for like one chapter and then you don't really ever hear from him again. And I love that about Tolkien, how he takes the time to write someone so interesting. Um, he spends so much time on it, but then we don't really get a ton of Tom Bombadil. And yet he's still important to the story in his own kind of special and very weird way. Um, but he's just like chilling, doing his own thing. Um, and I think it's so interesting that we don't know a lot about him. And Tolkien didn't really want us to know a lot about him. Um, I like that he kind of kept his secret on purpose, and honestly, just I think. Tom Bombadil is a cool guy. I think he would be kind of fun to hang out with. He's so jolly and cheerful and also very powerful. It's just a really interesting character that's Tolkien's created with him.
0: Caitlin, yeah, I love that you brought up the video game aspect because I've always thought of him as kind of like the ultimate summon character where you just <laughs> summon him into a battle and he kills everything on the screen and then goes away. <laughs>
2: yeah that's that's just like him
1: or even even more just like enchants them and they wander off with him like, <laughs> it's like
3: he recruits what them what even just
1: happened here <laughs> yeah so how about you jeff
3: yeah so um my my take on tom bombadil might be a little bit different i i like tom bombadil to start off i'll say that um but I, I think i was maybe like you thomas when i first read lord of the rings um probably about when I was in my teen, probably before the movies came out. So probably early teens. Um, Cause again, I've, I've read the, I've seen the films many, m- much more than I've read, but I did read them. And when I first read it, I agree. I was, it was like, this is, what is this random chapter that's kind of taking away from this cool adventure? Um, and it, it, it did kind of annoy me. I'm like, okay, I want to get, it's, if it was like reading Game of Thrones I would and it got to the he's like the point of view character who I'd skip a couple of chapters because I want to get back to my like my favorite <laughs> ones um granted it's only a chapter so but uh just that's how I felt at the time and then in the in the films when those came out I, I definitely had some diehard tolkien friends who were more than a little upset that there was no Tom Bombadil in the films um which again i I, I think I agree that it in that at least in the way that Jackson did them there really wasn't a place for Tom Bombadil. Um, now, now that I've re- reread Lord of the Rings a couple of times, um, I do. It's, it's just kind of a what in what I've read just kind of out of the lore. It's kind of like a fun little respite from their like their quest just getting started and their hobbits. So they haven't really been, you know, they haven't had their quest. They haven't really been on adventures uh, very, very far. You know, maybe they've gone and to another part of the shire but they haven't really done anything else um and he's kind of like a last little like um it, it's not i was just thinking as we were discussing it's it's not the i forget what they call rivendell's is it the last uh the uh, the last homely house east of the yeah. sea or something like that mm-hmm. i was just thinking it's the second to last uh Tom mills <laughs> the second to last oh, homely house yeah. east of the sea um and it's kind of like in a video game it's like you're you know it's like if you're playing where you can go and you can rest without having to get, you know, worry about it being attacked while your character is resting or something like that. Right. safe place. Right. And so it's kind of like I kinda of look at it like that as and, and I do like Tom Bombadil, you know, in my um in my later years <laughs> that he's uh yeah, he's cool. He's he's just like like you said, he's just a dude doing his own thing, chilling, singing, eating, hanging out with his wife, talking to horses and <laughs> Uh, his horses teaching other horses what how to how to, right. how to yeah. be uh, better yeah. horses, I guess. Um, <laughs> so yeah, no, I I, I really so I, yeah, as I've as I've kind of progressed in my understanding of Tolkien and my you know reading and delving a little bit deeper, I I do enjoy uh, Tom Bombadil, and I kind of think of it as like it's like the last little you know respite, last little place to rest before they really get started on their adventure. And I know they they'd go to Rivendell for a while for but um you know at that point frodo had been attacked and stabbed and so none of that's happened yet it's, so it's still like they're still they're still kind of innocent in that regard that they haven't really had any um you know bad things happen to them yet so
1: and there's still and there's big decisions going on when they're in rivendell whereas here there's yeah. nothing there's like no <laughs> like even even the weight of the ring is taken off of frodo yeah. for a moment when he just completely hands it over to tom bombadil with no thought of giving it away and Tom even puts it on and it's like, ah, okay. And then takes it back off. Nothing happens. You know, like there's just, it's like this, this bizarre, like, wait, I thought this thing was really powerful. What are we, what are we doing right. here? And this, this guy is like just completely ignoring it. What, um, I think for my part, Tom is such a great character. Uh, you know, like you guys are saying, I appreciate him much more as I'm older than I did when I was a child. I know my, my kids love him. And I think it was having it read aloud helped so much for them because i i read um the first uh book to them aloud and that's uh that sets the tone for tom bombadil because you need that kind of vocal uh merriment and the singing going with him to to get what's going on but then at the same time he falls in such a weird place in the book because the adventure hasn't started yet and it's been a long Book so far, you know, like when you when you think about how long the hobbits spend in the Shire, it's a long time. And they're kind of just doing hobbit stuff. And so it's not really like nothing's kicked off yet. And then all of a sudden we have this this respite where we're there. Now we're taking an, a longer break. And um, so I, I totally get where people come from when they're like, Yeah, Tom bombadil was a total waste. Like that was not anything that you needed. But then at the same time, I feel like he informs us about the other characters in a very deep way because everybody's so concerned about this ring and he comes up two or three times at the council of Elrond when they're talking about what to do with the ring and Gandalf mentions him and says, well, we can't really give it to him because you know, he just kind of forget about it. And he'd
2: probably just lose it or throw it (laughs) away on (laughs) accident.
1: And, and when you, when you take a step back and read that, with Gandalf as an actual character, you know, not just like Gandalf the wise, but Gandalf going, yeah, we're not going to give it to Tom Bombadil. you know, <laughs> yeah. mm, That would be, you know, like, like he's talking about his stoner cousin or something. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, maybe okay. he has a cousin. <laughs> so we're going to get there. We're going that direction. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so, but you know, it's like that, I, that, that to me, it, it It informs the other, you know, Elrond mentions him and talks about him being uh, the the old and the fatherless. That's the way that the elves thought of him. And that he's, how does he say? He's a curious creature, I think is the way he uh, references him. And it's like a curious creature, not a man. He's just a creature. Like, he's just like this, this thing. Like, we don't know what he is. He's just weird. (laughs) And And he's always been there. And he's always been there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, so he's, he's older than we are. Weird guy have, who's yeah.
2: always been there. <laughs> and, uh,
1: <laughs> so again, back to the kind of hobo references going on here. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> he's, he's the couch crasher kind of guy. um So I, I think that's I, he's so inspiring because everybody else looks at him and goes, "Who is this guy? Like, what is what is even the point of this guy?" But they all recognize the fact that he's super powerful. Like. In his own way, not in the way that they are or in the way that they need, but in his own way, he's just kind of beyond anything that they're capable of. And such a cool, like, strangeness in the midst of all of this concern about a a great dark power rising again and overtaking the world. And what do we do about that? Um, So I I think that's really neat. Now, before we get into our theories, I I want to point out the fact that Tolkien himself said of Bombadil... Even in a mythical age, there must be some enigmas, as there always are. Tom Bombadil is one intentionally. So Tolkien himself has thrown out the fact that Tom Bombadil is not supposed to be understood. Like he's just supposed to be a mystery, which I love. And I think that that kind of goes back to the, you know, Ernest Hemingway theory of writing where, you know, you have an iceberg that is your story. And you tell that peak 10% that's above the water and then let the reader just run into the rest. And that's kind of that was that's the way Tolkien did a lot of his work. But this is such a great example of it. Like he puts this character and leaves it in purposefully, has reason for it to be there. But at the same time, it just unabashedly doesn't explain it.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's it's a mystery, like a Christian mystery, like the Trinity or, you know, something like that, where right. we we can never fully understand it. We're not mm-hmm. we're, we're not capable, but we can still we still can discuss it, of course, and, you know, desire to learn more. But, you know, we're never going to fully comprehend because we're just not capable. So and, you know, I don't know if yeah. Tolkien maybe had something like that in mind as he was because uh, as we've know, he's he was Catholic. So. Um, maybe he was kind of had that kind of thinking thing in mind as well that's awesome I hadn't hadn't really thought about it that way
2: I found this really funny quote when I was getting ready for this episode um in letter 153 where Tolkien is responding to a letter that someone wrote him where they kind of brought up the idea that it was implied that Tom Bombadil was like God because he said you know he he is or whatever um and Tolkien responded, as for Tom Bombadil, I really do think that you are being too serious besides missing the point. And I just thought that was hilarious <laughs> where he, he's like, listen, you don't get it. And also stop thinking too hard about it. Um, so I I think we should also kind of talk about how at the beginning of this episode, like we don't need to try too hard to figure out Tom Bombadil. I don't know if Tolkien would want us trying too hard. It is right. fun to talk about, though. Mm <laughs>
0: No,
1: I completely agree.
0: I like that he just debunks one of the most popular theories. That <laughs> yeah. that he's Eru Iluvatar. And he's just like, nope. No. Yeah. That's not it. Yeah. It's not. He's like,
2: you're trying too hard and no.
1: <laughs> yep. So I and and I like in that in that vein, let's let's talk about, you know, what do you guys think? Because there are plenty of theories out there, and some of them are contradictory, some of them kind of leave room for agreement with each other. I would love to hear from you guys what do you think the origin of the character uh, in, internally to the myth uh is like where where does Tom Bombadil come from in the Tolkien legendarium inside the legend. jeff let's start with you. Where, which one do oh, you <laughs> <gonna start> to to? <laughs> uh, putting me <my> on spot. <laughs> um,
3: well I did have a so I it, this isn't I I have a couple ideas and so uh the first isn't strictly in the lore, but there's something I thought of this week. And I don't know if this is really a popular theory. I haven't looked it up. Cause I would, you know, if it, I don't know if it is, but I was kind of thinking, I wonder if Tom Bombadil was almost a little bit of a representation of Tolkien himself in within, uh, within the story, because he's, he's the guy who's telling stories. He's singing songs. He's kind of separate. Um, so, you know, I don't I'm not saying Tolkien thought of himself as this, you know, God, div, this divine type figure, but maybe some aspects of himself. He kind of put in there in this character, just kind of a guy who liked to tell stories and who liked to sing songs and live in a cabin in the woods with his great love, because we all know he was um, him and his wife were very, you know, very much in love with each other. Um, so that that's just kind of one an out of universe. But in universe, I've. I think my kind of lean toward, he's just some kind of unclassified Einor that we just don't know if he's, we don't know if he's a Maiar. He definitely could be a Maiar, um, which is what I was, I was alluding to when I said he was a cousin of Gandalf is he could be in that same kind of class, but he does seem more powerful than a Maiar because he's not affected by the ring. Like Gandalf didn't want to take the ring because he knew it would, it would cause him to fall. And obviously Sauron created the ring, but was also kind of enslaved to it himself. Um, once he, cause uh, that's, that's what kept him alive after he was, uh, after the ring was, after he was killed by, um, Elin, uh, by uh, Isildur. Um, so, Maiar don't seem to have be, they seem to become more slaves to the ring or will, or would become slaves to the ring. So, but he's not a Valar either because we know there are seven uh, Valar and there, but there's many Maiar we don't know. So I'm, I'm almost wondering if he's just maybe some kind of in between, um, you know, he's not quite the, the, you know, the demigod level of a, of a Valar that can, you know, create, create the world and do all this stuff um, and kind of be above the mortal, um, you know, uh, be not really in the, in the mortal world. But he's not a Maiar who's kind of living in the mortal world, being affected by the mortal world and and kind of supporting them like Gandalf was. So I kind of think he might be somewhere in between that. We just it's unclassified that we don't know. But, um, you know, he's an enigma, as we were saying. So that's kind of the way I'm leaning is that he's kind of in an in-between of a Valar and a Maiar.
2: That's really interesting.
3: Yeah. How about you, Kaylin?
2: So, uh, okay. I I feel like the the Maya um, theory is probably the most likely, um, but I also think I'm kind of lean towards the idea that kind of like what you were saying, um, that he's some kind of one of the Ainur um, that's not Avala, not Maya, maybe just something completely separate because we know that he was there like before the Dark Lord came into the Earth. Um, so that that's kind of what I'm thinking. He seems like he was someone who was around at the time of the music um, and he came into the world first. So I think that's, that's probably something I'm leaning towards. But I also like the theory that he is kind of like the embodiment of the music of the Ainur. And that's something that I've heard proposed before. Mm-hmm. I thought it was kind of a cool idea.
3: Yeah, I just read that today. Actually, as I was looking up stuff, so I, I was I was going to mention it, but if you hadn't, but yeah, that that is a very, very interesting. That he's the music is so powerful that it creates a being. Um. So yeah, that's very cool.
0: My theory is actually kind of a variation on that. I've 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 heard the 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 theory that he is somehow like an embodiment of the music of the Ainur, and and that's a really cool theory. It's one of my personal favorites. But my own little pet theory is that he is somehow that some, in some mysterious way, Tom Bombadil is Arda. Mm-hmm. He's either like the soul of Arda or he's like an avatar of Arda in some way that he's like Arda personified because he, he seems so tied to the earth. And and like you said, you know, Caitlin, he's, he's oldest. He says, I was here before the Dark Lord came from outside. So he was there at the very beginning. The elves call him fatherless and, and eldest. So I've, I've just always wondered is he Arda in some way? And then I, I forget which elf it is, but one of the elves at the council says that power to defeat Sauron, that, that, that Tom doesn't have the power to defeat necessary to defeat Sauron unless such power can be found in the earth itself. Mm -hmm. And that line was what kind of got me thinking along this route that, Oh, maybe he is the earth itself. Maybe he is Arda or Arda's spirit somehow that that's just my little personal
1: interpretation.
2: Yeah, that's good. That's really interesting.
1: Yeah. I, I really like, I like the, um, I like him being the embodiment of the song, but my, so I take those two and I like, squash them together and (laughs) my theory and my theory theory is that he's an echo of the song as it's coming into being so as it's as it's touching reality it creates an echo of itself or as the reality is coming into being it creates an echo of itself and that's what tom is, is he's he's existed as long as as arda has like he's been there since the beginning and I when he says that he was there before the dark one entered, I think he's talking about the song itself. He was in the creation song itself before it started to be molded by that entrance of the, the darkness into the song. And well, the so, discord, yeah, yeah the, yeah, the discord. He's he's he was there before that even started happening. And so he is the purest form of the song as it was being created and he he came came to life during that portion but then the discord entered and started this change that then makes everything else kind of have this sort of darkness to it this this uh, and we'll, we'll dig into it a little more but uh the materialism that is what sauron is the embodiment of so you know kind of the opposite of what he is which is just alive in the moment and experiencing life and loving things and yes, fighting, but not in the sense that he's needs to conquer or have conquest over, but just striving to exist and striving to continue and, and and kind of embodying that joy of, of what it is to live. Um, So I I feel like that's, I, I love, all of the little things that they say about him, because it gives you all of these little hints, like you were saying, you know, it, it's unless the, the strength is found in the earth itself uh, to, to defeat Sauron. That's uh, I believe that's really what they're trying to say about him is that he is that embodiment of Arda, but that he's a pure embodiment of it, not the way it is kind of dying and corrupted and, uh, you know, the fallen, the state of the fallen uh, existence of uh, of, of where they are, but what it should have been the the pure uh, elevated sense of what it should have been.
2: It's almost like he like splintered off from the first theme.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Kind of. Yeah. I've also heard the theory that he kind of represents an unfallen Adam or like Adam at with dominion over the earth as it should have been uncorrupted right. and um, like in communion with the earth rather than seeking to manipulate it.
0: And Thomas, something interesting you said, too, you said that he's kind of like an echo of the music. And could could he in a sense could could his purpose be to constantly echo the music back to Eru Iluvatar, that he's like like how it says in the Psalms, how, you know, creation is always praising God, mm-hmm. you know, it 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 speaks, but its words are not heard is, I think, one of the lines from the Psalms it's it like, but yeah. Tom actually is singing and he's singing all the time. And even it seems to me that even when he's not technically singing, his words have a meter mm-hmm. somehow, yeah. like he's he's always speaking rhythmically, even when he's not singing. So he's he's constantly singing. So he's constantly echoing the praise back to Eru Iluvatar which would be a
1: really awesome way to think about it. Yeah. And he's restless, not in like a, like needing to do something way, but just has this energy welling up from inside of him that he needs, needs to be participating in things. And I, I love that about him. I think that's such a great, uh, it's such a great way to, for them to start their quest too, where it's like they're off on this horrible, awful task of, I, they don't even know what yet they don't even, they haven't even gotten the fullness of it yet. They just know that they have to go do this horrible thing and take this this ring at under threat of being chased to some to somewhere to get rid of it. And, um, you know, but to have this guy that's inspiring in that sense of like, it is good to it is good to do. It is good to act That is, and that's kind of what he sits with them to come rest with me. But at the same time he inspires them to go out and to continue on. And I, I love that about him. I think that's such a great kind of uh, thought of him. But yeah, I, I definitely think that all of the others are completely potentially correct. Like there's, there's nothing because of who he is. I don't think that there's anything you could say that would necessarily be off. So you can kind of have a belief in him, whichever way you want. And it's probably okay. Probably whatever kind of resonates with you is pretty good. Which is, I think, what Tolkien was getting at when he was saying, don't overthink it and try and <laughs> pin him down.
2: <laughs> yeah, I feel like as long as you aren't going with the Tom Bombadil is Iluvatar incarnate theory, because he pretty clearly says that he um, he also writes in another letter about how he would never like, be so bold as to as to write about God incarnate, like to insert it into his own world. And so I think as long as we don't go for that theory, like you're pretty much fair game.
3: Or he's the friend Tom Bombadil is the friends we made along the way. So (laughs) He's the spirit of the friendship of everybody. That's right. He's the embodiment of the the fellowship.
2: Yes, that's why they call it it the fellowship.
1: Right. I think that kind of ties us into the next part of talking about it. like, Like, Why? Uh, why Tom Bombadil? You know, we, so this origin story is kind of what, but why is Tom Bombadil in this story? We've kind of touched on it, but let's get a little more deeply into like w- what is the function of this character in this? Uh, otherwise, I mean, you know, Tolkien's not bleak in the sense of like Game of Thrones bleak, where everything's just awful and everybody ends up dead, and it's really just a a story that you just are ma- are mostly mad about and kind of sad about sometimes but you know Tolkien has a hopeful end to it right but Tom Bobadil does not fit the the tone of the rest of Tolkien in any way shape or form so why do you guys think he's there like what was what was the purpose of putting him in this is a harder question i know so <laughs> yeah. i
2: have a good quote um from one of the letters this is letter 144 Tolkien writes Tom Bombadil is not an important person to the narrative. I suppose he has <laughs> I suppose he has some importance as a comment. I mean, I do not really write like that. He's just an invention. Um, and then he goes on for a little bit. Um, and then he says, "And he represents something that I feel important, though I would not be prepared to analyze the feeling precisely. I would not, however, have left him in if he did not have some kind of function." And then of course he doesn't tell us what the function what the is, function is. <laughs> so he doesn't he's explain important, it. right he we know he's important he has a function but tolkien doesn't really feel like telling us what it is
1: it's like why they couldn't fly the eagles to mordor like you know just, just, no they just couldn't do that that's just, right. just no
2: nope
1: <laughs> <laughs> so anybody else theories on because because you can't take the ring so let's just say what he can't do, right? So he, he can't be the one to take the Oh ring. yeah. Uh so he can't be the one to get them to Mordor because he's just not, he's he's not gonna leave his house, but right? that like that's his his place, that's where he is. Um he they they mention him in the council, but nobody bothers to like send a letter to him and ask <laughs> what they should do. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um so you know. He's and he's he's weird because very importantly, he gives the um the hobbits the the horse that ends up kind of training the other horses so that they all do what they're supposed to do when they need to do it. Um, he saves them when they leave his uh his realm not, not entirely out of his realm, but when they go to the Barrow Whites and they get caught by the Barrow White. If it weren't for Tom Bombadil, they'd uh they would have died there, that would have been the end of the story. Um, so, you know, but, but like, they're not really like harried per se when they arrive at his house. So it's not like they need to stay with him or anything. So I don't know. Like what, what function does he serve?
0: (laughs) He gave them those blades from the Barrow Downs. If they like, if Mary hadn't had his, he wouldn't have killed the Witch King. So Mm -hmm. it's like. But but I don't think that's his primary function. I just think that, like, that is a function in the plot. But there's so many other things that uh, that Tom does where it's just like, wh- wh- why is this necessary?
3: <laughs> yeah, I kind of said it earlier that uh, one of the things I've read about Tom Bombadil is, like, uh, especially kind of when I first read The Lord of the Rings and when I've read it uh, since then, and I'm like, uh, and I'm trying to, like, look into again like our question why is Tom Bombadil and one of the things that I kind of read and, and kind of I think ascribed to myself is that he's just the whole section is kind of a it's kind of the the respite the happy because we know the shire gets uh you know gets gets uh scourged by the end of it so not even the shire or at least in the in the book so the shire isn't even left that and that's kind of the ideal um place in in the in the Lord of the Rings is the Shire and even that gets destroyed. So I kind of look at Tom Bombadil's like it's kind of the one piece of the world that can't be that can't be touched by the evil. Um, That's, you know, if the quest were to fail, well, I don't know if the quest were to fail, but even but even by the end of it, Sauron's forces or agents or allies are still doing things out of the world until the until our heroes can kind of wipe them all out. But I don't think they could get into Tom's realm and do anything there that he didn't want them to do. So I kind of think of it as like it's kind of the last, you know, the last holdout of of kind of of goodness of of, you know, virgin untouched land, uh, for lack of a better term. So and it's kind of in them stopping there kind of gives you that sense of this is where, you know, this is what they're kind of ultimately fighting for is to return you know, is, is to not, maybe not to this extent, but to, is to kind of keep this kind of evil from touch just to where it could potentially return in this kind of a way. So it's almost, it's almost like a garden of Eden kind of thing where Tom Bombadil's land is the garden and, you know, humans, it's lost to humanity, but it's, you know, theoretically still out there and the new Eden in our, in our faith is of course, heaven. So it's kind of like, it's kind of like almost a heaven on earth kind of a thing. Um, where it's that is the is the ideal for everything else. Mm -hmm. And stopping there gives, you know, kind of puts gets gives us gets us in that mindset of this is what we're all what everything's hoping to preserve uh, in the wider world. So. And he's able to do that without a ring of power,
0: because Lorien is preserved from a lot of things because of Galadriel's ring of power. Rivendell is preserved. Because of Elrond's Ring of Power. Tom just seems to have that pat kind of power innately, which is really interesting. Maybe
2: he right. is a
3: Ring of Power. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we saw him forged in the show just recently.
2: Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like Tom is almost set up to be a foil, like a in the literary sense, against Sauron and Saruman. Um, In the way that they are constantly seeking out power and dominion, the way Tom just has it and mm-hmm. he doesn't use it really for anything. Um, It's almost like he's free from any kind of desire, like any desire to dominate or rule or to 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 morph things or shape things into his own will. He's just existing with this power. And it's almost like his very existence is mocking Sauron. As Sauron uh. is, like, striving for this, Tom Bombadil, like, takes the ring and is like, this is nothing. Um, so I think that's kind of interesting the way that it's set up. Um, I like that we kind of meet Tom Bombadil before Frodo gets too far into his quest. Because you can see, like, we kind of see it later down the road when we have Faramir who isn't tempted by the ring at all. But this is even so much bigger because Tom Bombadil is so much more mysterious and powerful. Um, that he's just not even a phase. he doesn't even want it, um so I think that's really interesting.
1: and not not even that he doesn't even want it he He tells uh the hobbits, you know he, tell, he tells uh Frodo, your ring looks or your finger looks better without it, right yeah and and like in such a that's such a a childlike way to kind of look at the the situation to and, and and we know that he completely understands what he's saying I, I think there's like kind of an implicit uh understanding from all of us that that he's wiser than he's letting on but at the same time he it's because he has this childlike view of the world like everything that he looks at is just simple and that's mm-hmm. such a cool thing to start off with like like we're about to go into this very complex very convoluted history rich world and the most powerful being that we see is one that's like just living in the moment
2: not a cell phone in sight just living in the moment
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah his his life is completely uncomplicated you know it's uncomplicated by desire for power it's uncomplicated by the need to control other people he just it, like he says he just is He just, you know, allows himself to be with Goldberry and with the world around him. And he doesn't let outside stuff, even outside stuff that he can't control, like because he says, you know, uh, I am not master of the Black Riders, you know, but but he doesn't let that bother him. Things that are outside of his control are just outside of his control and he doesn't worry about it.
2: Yeah, he's just extremely content with his his lot in life and what he's been given. And he doesn't grasp for more and he's not unhappy with what he does have. He's just yeah, like he just he's just there. He's existing.
1: And singing all the way through it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Constantly. (laughs) Um, Okay, so so now I feel like we can take a step back now and kind of look more more deeply at the origins of this character outside of the myth. So. Tolkien obviously drew inspirations from all over the place. Um, and I just wanted to know, you know, what have you guys read about, heard about how Tolkien came up with this character and, and kind of why it's important that he kept it in and that he did make the decision. Cause he, he did, even, even though he says, don't, don't overthink it. Uh, <laughs> he, he did have reasons. He did share reasons why uh, he's, why he kept Tom Bobbittal and who Tom Bobbittal is. So uh, what are the theories that you guys have heard or the the concepts from him that you guys have heard? And then, you know, we can talk about other stuff too, Jeff, like um, this being a, a self-insert of, you know, of the author kind of putting himself into the book, which I think fits. That's, that's excellent because, you know, he's observing the world. He's beyond any of the struggles that they have, but he also understands them and is able to sympathize with them and, and kind of speak to them directly. Right. So I will open up the floor. You guys, uh, what of the things that you've
2: heard about it? I know in letter 19, he calls Tom Bombadil the spirit of the vanishing Oxford and Berkshire countryside. So, like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what he means by that. But it's very so in, the full quote is he says, do you think Tom Bombadil, the spirit of the vanishing Oxford and Berkshire countryside, could be made into the hero of a story. Like he's kind of playing with the idea of writing more about Tom Bombadil, but, but I just think that the, the way that he describes him is super interesting right there. And I really don't know what to think about it.
3: It's almost, and we were saying, you know, he, he had, he told people there's, you know, don't look too far into it. And I'm all, we all know if you've looked up anything about Tolkien and some of his kind of, uh, co- more colorful moments he was he has had a really good sense of humor so it's almost like it, i was just thinking like could this have all just be kind of a private joke that he put in to me? i mean he probably didn't know how big how big this was going to get but it's like one of those things of maybe he put it in here is like just just for his own amusement to think of how how people try to speculate on on this whole thing. Um,
2: He's just messing with us.
3: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> bet and I can extent. get them to theorize <laughs> about this for decades.
2: <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So, so I'm going to drop I, all I these other legends that <laughs> actually mean something, but this one, no. This one's just, nope.
3: <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, he has, he had a great sense of humor. So it's almost just kind of thinking is like, could, like, maybe he just has a private joke to himself. This, you know, that could be maybe an aspect of that in there, but yeah. Um,
1: See, I, think the, I think the really interesting thing about Tom Bombadil, though, is that he was written before almost anything else. So the, there's some poetry and um, some other building blocks of who the character of Tom Bombadil is that pre-exist any of the writings of uh, The Lord of the Rings. And so it's it's almost like he had this character that he really wanted to build in to to the world. and wanted to make a way for it to fit and and you know there's there's just some of those things that you just don't want to let it go right And you're like if i'm going to make a legendarium i want to include <laughs> this thing and mm-hmm. uh sometimes it's the hardest thing to just let it go because you need to um <laughs> but then other times y- you can do something like this where it's like ah well you know there do need to be enigmas and i'm just going to throw this enigma in to kind of uh be there and be present and and let it flow in the book and, you know, just continue along the path after that. We'll just ignore it after we get past this part. But I feel like, um, in a lot of ways, it's really bizarre because at the same time that that's happening, it's almost like he was writing these, this legendarium and then became very interested in the conflict of the dwarves and the elves and the, the ring. And it, changed what the legendarium was and so tom bombadil was part of that original sort of innocent story rhyme kind of piece and then it became more of this conflict tale and almost reflects the way that the that the whole story is right where it was this beautiful choir of uh creation and then was uh, sewn in with discord and that's what made the story that's what made the world the way it is, but it's almost kind of the way the story is. And Tom Bombadil is like that reflection of that happening as he was telling the tale.
0: Well, then he's a very meta character then, isn't he? Because if <laughs> mm-hmm. if, if he predates most of the rest of the legendarium, then he really is eldest, like all the other characters mm-hmm. say. He preexisted <laughs> all of these other characters in the mind of Tolkien. So it's kind of like he's referencing that by having them call him eldest and fatherless he, it's very
1: meta i like that yeah that's that's my take on him i think i feel like that's um i feel like he is one of those things because i if anyone who's ever done any writing um knows <laughs> that you have these things you start with yeah and then you have the story that you get to <laughs> yes it's like i'm, I'm learning that you... right now actually because i'm outlining and it's yeah.
0: like what happened to my original story <laughs> what's uh-huh. all this stuff <laughs>
1: Yep. So, so I, uh, if if you've ever tried it, if you've ever taken a stab at that, Tom yeah, you, Thomas, you can you can feel me on this one. It's it, that's what happens. It's like you you have yep. this story, you have this framework that you set up, and then you start actually trying to put pen to paper, and you go, ah, this is really more important, and this over here might be, and this should be something I add, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, wait a minute, what about that original? Like sometimes even your protagonist just becomes irrelevant to the story you're telling, and it's yeah. like. <laughs> well now i have to come up with a new protagonist (laughs) so i feel like that's what tom bombadil is yeah (laughs) tom bombadil is that original story and and tolkien was like no i'm not letting go of this guy this he is gonna be in this story here
2: i also read that tom bombadil was inspired by a a doll that the tolkien children had
1: oh that's
0: i thought that was
2: cute it reminded me of um is it Roverandum, the story about the yeah, dog? Yeah,
0: the dog toy it was one of his yeah. his son's toys.
2: Yeah, yeah, I just thought once again, we have another like moment of Tolkien being a great dad, and then a a credible character comes from it.
0: It's like A.A. A. Milne with Winnie the Pooh. You know, mm-hmm. it was his son's doll, and he creates this whole adventure surrounding it.
1: I feel I feel that I'm, my kids have a legend about the, the dragon that lives under my bed and comes out at night. Um, it's 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 both a protector and a keep you in bed kind of thing. <laughs> so it's like, no.
2: There are no monsters in
1: our house because there's a dragon that lives under dad's bed. And then also you know, if there's a dragon that lives under dad's bed, you don't want to be wandering around the halls.
3: (laughs) That's brilliant. I let them spin it
1: whichever way they want to, but I just tell them. (laughs) I
3: might need to tell that to my kids because we have some problems with staying in in our beds. Aha.
1: It has worked. I don't know. It's it's, it's really bizarre, but it works. And I I only tell it to them in the context of like, no, 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 there's no monsters in our house because there's a dragon that lives under my bed, comes out at night, you know. (laughs) That's so funny uh so yeah i I feel like I, I feel like tom bombadil is kind of a both and like he's he is a character that's meaningful to the story but he's also something that i think is a little is shoehorned like he's put in a little bit forcibly but it works because it kind of fleshes out so many other things especially when they reference back to him it's not just that he exists for this brief moment and then is never even mentioned again but when he is mentioned again, it's kind of like, uh, well, that wouldn't be a good solution because he doesn't work for this world that we're actually kind of struggling with right now.
0: Well, I love mm-hmm. how in Return of the King, Gandalf, like when they're when they're going back to the Shire and Gandalf's just like, I think I'm going to go hang out with Tom for a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> just just, <laughs> yeah, just chat, you know, about nothing. It'll be fun. And it's just like, he's-
2: yeah. And he just leaves the hobbits to go kind of scour the Shire on their own.
0: Yeah.
2: Um yep. he's like, You guys can handle it. I'm just gonna go hang out with Tom. My work is done.
1: <laughs> Which gives a whole new like whole new meaning to that like, you know, the stoner cousin thing, right?
2: <laughs> just oh my like, gosh. Gonna go, <laughs> yeah.
1: We're gonna go we're gonna go smoke some, some pipe weed and I'm just gonna just chill. Just sit on for the couch,
2: just <laughs> take a little up. nap, eat some pizza. And pizza
1: there you go (laughs) i'm done (laughs) all right so now my, my favorite part of this one is this um because tolkien was very adamant about the fact that he is kind of telling the story of a previous age of the earth right that this is our world but older i would love to hear your thoughts on what tom bombadil is now so if he's a truly immortal character which i feel like he is truly like just kind of ageless character. Where does Tom Bombadil exist in our modern mythologies or kind of today? Like what would Tom Bombadil be today? Because the elves we know all went west. The dwarves kind of receded into their caves, but and the hobbits are hiding around somewhere, or they're gone. And humans have kind of been left over. This is the age of man, right? But Tom Bombadil is still around. Where is he? I think he's
2: probably. (laughs) 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 That's a good one. I was gonna say I think he's probably out wandering. Well, not wandering. I think he's probably out chilling in a little house somewhere in the Oxford countryside.
1: I like that one. We go visit Tom (laughs) Bombadil.
2: Tolkien said that's kind of what he was the spirit of. So I guess if he were if he were still here, that's probably what he would just be hanging out, maybe. Oh, that's cool,
0: yeah I, I think you could only find him if he wa- if you were meant to find him and he wanted to be found mm. like you could you could pass by where he is and not even know he's there or that that's his house unless you're meant to and unless he wanted you to see it. I think that one too
2: that almost reminds me of the uh the Merlin t v show i don't yeah. know if you guys seen it at the end yeah. when he's just kind of wandering around as an old man
1: that'd be cool i like the the Santa Claus theory too that's one that i when i when i thought of this question I was like oh man that would be a really neat <laughs> that would be a really <laughs> twist for this character the jolly old elf <laughs> so um so I've got a couple more like wrap up questions that i want to cover because there's there's when you talk about Tom Bombadil you inevitably have to talk about several other characters that exist in uh, the Tolkien Legendarium so we'll touch on them briefly and we might come back and do like at least one of them warrants a whole episode by itself so uh, we might come back to that before we do that I'd like to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create the Secrets of Middle-Earth including James S, Brooke K, Joel L, Diane F, and Pascal H. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Middle-Earth and all the shows here at StarQuest. You can join them at sqpn.com slash give. So kind of lightning round thoughts about the following characters from us is is where I'm going with this. We have, um, first off, who do you think Goldberry, Yes. I'm pretty sure
0: she's a myar, And in fact, I'm I'm pretty sure she's one of uh Olmo's people because they mm-hmm. call her daughter of the river. So I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. she's just a river spirit. You know, she is the spirit of the Withywindle. And you know, she's been given charge over that little river. And you know, and that's it. Like I, I've always thought she was less enigmatic than Tom was.
3: That's cool. Yeah, I think I I think I agree. I was kind of thinking that way myself and we know Myr have married outside of their own kind like with uh uh Melian married Thingol the elf, so Right. Um yeah, I kind of I I kind of tend to think that about Goldberry as well.
2: Yeah, I I kind of I've just always kind of felt like whatever Tom Bombadil is, she's probably similar. Hmm. And so if if Bombadil is a mystery, and maybe she is, too. But she does seem a little bit more solvable.
1: Yeah, I like the idea of her being a Maya. But I I also like the idea of her being an echo of the song itself. So where he is an echo of kind of the earth, she is an echo of the river. And um, they exist outside of that sort of construct that becomes what the Aenur the are and all of their
3: entrance into the world are no rivers in the forest. Oh wait, that's the wrong podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Who.
0: <laughs> and I think at one point doesn't like in I don't know if this is in the Silmarillion or where I'm picking up this reference, but at one point isn't it said that water contains an e- itself an echo of the music. Mhm. So her being uh yeah. you know, kind of a water avatar makes sense to be Bombadil's spouse
1: in a in a way.
2: Yeah, they're very well matched in that sense.
1: I think that's really cool. I love her character. I think uh, and you're just, like she has almost nothing in the book, but she's so neat. Like as this, like who would marry Tom Bombadil? And then you've got this kind of like perfect figure for it. And you're like, OK, yeah, that's who would marry Tom Bombadil. <laughs> that makes sense.
2: I like that he's such a wife guy, too, because yeah. when they when they first meet him, he's like, okay, but I have to take care of these lilies because they're for Goldberry. And if I I crush them, you know, it's not going to be good. So I have to be very careful. Like, and I I have to get them back to her right now. Like, I just think it's, it's sweet that Tolkien kind of added that aspect to his character.
0: And the way he introduces her is great. I've always remembered this because he's very specific. He says uh here's my pretty lady all in silver green with flowers in her girdle and i'm like okay that's a little (laughs) bit too much information but thank you that was
1: that was very detailed i can i can see that yeah
2: exactly (laughs) like the hobbits are
1: sitting there looking at her like
2: i see her right in front of me there she is (laughs) Uh.
1: uh Okay, so then the other character that we have to talk about is another enigm- enigmatic one, but from The Hobbit, uh, the character of Bjorn, the the bear man, uh, you know, like, is he the same level of mystery as Tom Bombadil? Because he doesn't really fit any of our other definitions of of things that exist in Middle-earth.
3: I don't think he's the same level, because he's he was the last of his kind, so there were others of his and they appear to be mortal because it sounds like they were taken by, by Sauron and enslaved, uh, and killed off. So it sounds like they're mortal. Um, so he, they could be Maiar, I guess, because we, Myar can be destroyed. Um, at least in, uh, a few of the few we've seen, uh, like Balrogs and, uh, Balrogs and Sauron and even Istari can be killed. Um, uh, but we don't know if they're, you know, what happens to their spirits after they are. So, I don't know. I, I tend to think he's, they're mortals. Oh, there's just some other kind of, um, some other kind of created being um, somewhere between a dwarf and a, and a man or something like that. I don't know. Um, you know, some some kind of, somewhere on that, in that, you know, the scale of mortal to, uh, or somewhere in that realm of being a mortal being.
2: It almost sounds like they they could have been like a a group project between Aule and Yvanna, where he, Aule, <laughs> the craftsman who's wanting to you know create something strong and sturdy, um, and then you have Yvanna who's like wanting to go for for nature and you know so I could see them like working together to create <laughs> Beorn.
0: Yeah, there's also a line in The Hobbit that where Gandalf speculates that they're they're either men who have mastered this magical ability of shape-changing or they're bears who have mastered the ability of shape-changing and can turn into men. And I have always Which found is that likely. as the more interesting possibility.
1: <laughs> there are bears who are like, you know what? Those, those men are interesting. Let's try and be them for a little while.
2: Yeah, right. just go how back do you kind of... Set out on that that journey. I'm going to learn how to shape shift into a bear, specifically.
3: Well, they know they like honey. Bears like honey, so they figured out. They saw people mm-hmm. beekeeping and figured well, there's a better way to get to get our honey. That- we need to
0: get in on <laughs> this. It's like <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, and and two, like the only other the only other shape shifting we see throughout the story is kind of a dark art right where it's like Mm -hmm. it's one of sauron's things or or the sorcerers that he teaches and you know we we mentioned that when we're talking about the show um so it's really interesting to have this group of characters that seems almost untouched or that they were good shapeshifters and maybe that's where sauron learned it from it's like he tortured it out of them or something like that Mm. and so that could have been a might be an interesting kind of and I, it I well. believe
0: it's isn't Radagast also a shapeshifter. I think Gandalf mentions it, that he's a master of shapes and changes of hue. Mm. So it's like and he and I remember Bayorn says, oh, yeah, Radagast, he's a good fellow as wizards go. So there's some connection <laughs> there cute. between Radagast and the
1: Bayornings.
2: Yeah, maybe we I should do a future episode on that or <laughs>
1: this is why i was like at least one of these warrants a whole episode (laughs) or
2: or
0: like radagast himself because he's a mystery he just drops out of the narrative we never see him again
2: Mm -hmm. absolutely and the way they presented him in the hobbit movies was just so goofy (laughs) like he deserves justice yes
1: (laughs) yeah because he's a starry man he's 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 an impressive character in his own right
2: you talk about your stoner uncle
3: In the movie, he's got a hedgehog named. I think it's Sebastian is the hedgehog's name.
2: Was it really? I had forgotten (laughs) that. I think so. (laughs) I think it's it's when
3: he's, when he, when, I think it's when we first meet Radagast. He finds the hedgehog that's like sickly from the corrupting influence of, uh, of uh the necromancer and he's like sebastian oh you're right i
2: I can't believe that the hobbit movies are real sometimes (laughs) i Uh, i have blocked them out of my memory and every time i hear something about them i'm like what
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, we will definitely need to revisit those. That will be <laughs> yes, on a future episode of uh, <laughs> of the podcast. We will uh, definitely be. Okay, so so the last uh, entities I want to talk about. A funny play on words here. Um, the last entities I want to talk about are the Ents because they. I, one of my early theories about Tom Bombadil, which has been superseded, was that he the the Ents kind of mentioned this other group of creatures like them that that herded the trees and that they mourn the disconnect that they have from them so one of my early theories about Tom Bombadil was that he was like one of those other things that the Ents are referring back to um but they're kind of like the same thing where they've been around forever they've been around longer than anything and they shepherded the trees which kind of feels like Tom Bombadil with his forest that he's uh in dominion of and maybe they're like a uh, I don't know. One of the things that I've thought is maybe they're like the younger brothers of Tom Bombadil. You know, like they're similar to him, but not quite up to that level of uh of what he is. So, I don't, what do you guys think about the Ents in their relationship to Tom Bombadil? I know I'm kind of ju- jumping this on you.
0: <laughs> no, right. I, 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 they definitely know each other because I remember when when Treebeard's talking to Mary and Pippin, and they're sort of telling him their story. Like, uh, they say that Treebeard's really interested in everything they have to say about Tom Bombadil. And then later, Gandalf, when when, when Gandalf's going to go spend some time with Tom, he says to them, but I probably won't mention anything we've done or seen except the ants, because that's the only thing he'll be interested in. So they, they have this odd connection. They have this affinity for one another. But I don't know if that's just because they're both just that old. Or 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 what that means exactly?
2: Yeah, I imagine when you're among the oldest creatures inhabiting the earth, you would have run into each other at some point, mm. if nothing less. They know of each other.
3: Yeah, at least in the Jackson films, they kind of gave. They even gave some of the some of the aspects of Tom Bombadil or some aspects of that story to Treebeard. So, like yeah. the whole. Like, uh, Mary, uh, I think it was Mary getting sucked into the old man Willow and Pippin, maybe too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Treebeard had to come along and, um, you know, tell the tell old man Willow to let him go.
1: Yeah. So I, I think, I think that one's one I, w- I would love for us to kind of revisit the idea of, of maybe not just the Ents, because there's probably not a, I mean, we could probably make a whole episode on. This.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: But uh, you know, some of the other mystical creatures that get dropped in, you know, like here it is in the story and it exists for this purpose, but then, you know, so we could kind of branch out and look at, at some of those that are clearly not uh you know, Valor or, or elves or whatever, but but are also have like a backstory to them that I think is really interesting. So She won the back talking
3: dog. The talking dog. Yeah. Oh but yeah. <laughs> yes like what is this stuff
2: (laughs) i'm very excited to see if we get to see the Ents in rings of power because i know we got to see them for like two seconds um and they kept featuring it in all of the trailers Mm -hmm. if you remember that like i i think it was even in the very first super bowl trailer i was like we're gonna go see the Ents. and then that little clip that was in the teaser was the whole thing Uh, so hopefully season two will give us some Ents. Because I think that would be really cool.
1: Yeah. Looking forward to seeing more history kind of fleshed out about a lot of this stuff. I would be intrigued to see if they were able to somehow tie Tom Bombadil into what's going on with um with one of the storylines. I would be really interested to see it see Tom Bombadil appear on screen. I would I would be intrigued. But at the same time, I'm kinda like don't go there. You know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Like, I don't want him I don't want him to go there either because I'm worried about I what they'll like do with I feel
2: like he's it. uncastable. Like I don't know. I just yeah. I worry too much about I'm glad that he wasn't in the movies because they would have messed it up somehow, probably. <laughs> I don't know if I trust Rings of Power to include Tom Bombadil. I just feel like he's just so mysterious. I just I don't know. I, I feel like he's he's unadaptable.
1: They'd better just leave him, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, just leave yeah. him.
0: You can mention him maybe, but, you know. Hmm.
2: Yes, that would be fun if we got some Tom Bombadil name drops or something like that.
0: Or like like one of his other names, right? Because I think the, the elves call him A.R. Wayne, the dwarves call him Thorn. He has all these, so like different races know about him. And I, mm-hmm. I think I think Tom Bombadil is supposed to be what the hobbits call him. Right. If I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, because like each race yep. has a name for him. So he's just been around. <laughs> he's met everybody.
2: <laughs> yeah. Everyone knows of him for sure.
1: Which which I think is that that's kind of what makes it more interesting. I don't know. <laughs> this is what yeah. so it makes it more mis- more mysterious. Right. It's like, right. Everybody knows him, but nobody really knows. Does anybody really know him? Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> awesome. All right. Any closing thoughts from you guys?
2: I just think, yeah, I'm 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 happy that we got to talk about Tom Bombadil. I think he's a really cool character and um I love that we can kind of just debate for as long as you want about him since there really <laughs> isn't a real answer. We could just go on endlessly.
1: Definitely.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm just glad he's there. I'm I'm glad he's in the narrative. I always break into a big smile whenever he shows up in the audiobook. I'm like, yes, we're at the Tom part. You know <laughs> I I I just love him. He's great, you know. I'm glad I'm glad he's there. I'm glad he's a mystery. He's just one of those things that makes Middle-earth just endlessly interesting.
3: Yeah, I didn't look I didn't really look into it, but I did see that there is like a there's a collected book of I guess poetry and other things. I, uh, I think it is it the Adventures of Tom Bombadil. Yeah. That's out there that you can you can get that I think was it looked like it was edited by one of the Tolkien's I didn't, like I said, I didn't look into it too much, but I did see that that was out there. So anyone wants to look, it seemed like it was more of like poetry and um, things like that. But if you want kind of more of that, if you like the Tom Bombadil, you know, storyline, then there is some more things out there you can look into. Definitely.
1: And and this is when, when I'm talking about stuff that kind of pre-exists the legendarium, that's the stuff. That's what you get in that book. Is sort of those, those snippets of poem and and of writing that create this character even before there was really the fully fledged ring and the ring story to put together.
2: There's also a book on Tom Bombadil. If anyone's interested in in reading more, it's it's called The House of Tom Bombadil by C. R. Wiley, and I think we'll we'll have a link to it. Um, but if you want to read more about Tom Bombadillo, I th- think that's a pretty cool book.
1: Awesome. All right. Well, that is it from us. Uh, we'd love to hear from what you think about this merry fellow, Tom Bombadillo. Uh, you can let us know at sqpn.com slash MiddleEarth on our Facebook page or on Twitter. Send an email to MiddleEarth at sqpn.com or you can visit our channel on the StarQuest Discord server at sqpn.com slash Discord. Uh, We'll be back in February to discuss a little bit more deeply and a little bit more possibly seriously uh, religion in Middle Earth and most especially how Tolkien's Catholicism influenced the creation of the story and the themes that we see therein. Uh, Until then, Jeff Hecker, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Middle Earth. Thank you, Thomas. Uh, Thomas Salerno, thank you as well. Thanks so much, Thomas. And Caitlin Fashista. Thank you very much.
2: Thanks so much.
1: And once again, I'm Thomas Zendero. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Middle-Earth on StarQuest.
3: Here's
0: another show on the StarQuest Network you're sure to enjoy. Let's Science. Find the show wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com science.